asking you, God, that you would pour out blessing after blessing after blessing. Father, that just like we preached on from the life of Abraham uh, a month or so ago, that you would uh, bless them so they could see what it means to trust you and to be a blessing to the nations. God, that they would be a funnel, that they would be a vessel that you could flow through. We pray that over this house in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. I just wanted to share that with you because that's that that those stories were just wrecking me last night. I was feeling encouraged and convicted. Um, all right, we're talking today. It's going to be very different. The sermon's going to be very different. I told my wife last, last night, and I told Jesse that when I came up here today. Um, I'm I'm not the greatest like drawler drawler artist, whatever you'd say, but I'm going to draw. Uh, a little bit, and it's going to go on the screen because our audiovisual team is amazing. I walked in with a dry erase board, and Ryan's like, you're not using that. I was like, okay. So, no, I'm playing. He, he sets me up, and, and, uh, and he's got that hooked up uh, just because he's a genius. But we're going to talk about the life of the church, and we're in this sermon series called Rhythm, okay, Rhythm. And um, I want to I kind of set the premise here. When we talk about rhythm... We're talking about the things that God has instituted that never changes. The strategies, the protocols, the, uh, the things that God sets up for your blessing. For your blessing. Um, let me just ask maybe a really rhetorical question, but I guess I'm going to ask it anyway. How many of you, you want your life to truly be like in the hands of God? You know what I mean? Like you really, I mean, I imagine that's why you're here, right? You want your life to be, God, my life is in your hands. Well, in that mindset, in that frame of mind, God has established things like Sabbath, things like sacraments, things, um, you know, like liturgy or what the Roman Catholic Church calls Eucharist, what communion. These things that are to be consistent and ongoing in your life, and we're going to talk about them but filled with the life of the Spirit, filled with the life of the Spirit. So rhythm, as defined by Oxford's Dictionary, is this. It's a strong, regular, repeated pattern or movement of sound, also a systematic arrangement of musical chords, a beat or pattern to follow. All right? So out of just curiosity, I know obviously Elijah, but is anybody else a drummer? Maybe, hey, be careful, by the way. You raise your hands in front of me. Well, we will push you on a rotation. All right, so, so be careful when you raise your hand right now. I'll be telling Will. All right, so raise your hand if you used to be a drummer or like you just like to hit buckets. And All right, let me ask it this way. How many of you go crazy on the dash of your car at a red light? Okay, there we go. There's all the hands. <laughs> Jim Miller, man. Living on a prayer. I can just see you right now. All right. When you talk about a rhythm, it doesn't change. It's consistent. And I want to tell you, again, God has consistent patterns and rhythms that you can step into that enables you to live in the blessing and in the joy that God intends for you. But when you step out of those rhythms and you say, no, I'm going to go my own way, then we step out of sync. And it, and it causes frustration and, and uh, discouragement. And I was writing these words, and I was thinking about um, uh, working on a song in the studio. So I used to produce music uh, half the week, and it's, there's been a couple times when a drummer, right, they, they drum, but they're not used to a click, which is very steady, a metronome. Does anybody know what I mean by metronome? It means consistent. It's a click, exact, exact click. Well, here's the thing. When those musicians, maybe their first time, they're not used to that 
they'll try to get used to it in a, in, in a moment, and it, and it can be very frustrating because they're not used to it. So here's what I want to say. I want to give you an analogy. It takes a moment for you to hear the song of the Lord, salvation. But how many of you, if you're like me, it's taken a lifetime of sanctification to get used to the heartbeat, the, the, the beat, the click of God. Does that make sense? And that, there's the sanctifying work that God's teaching us to, to go in sync and in rhythm with what he has designed in life. In other words, we're continually learning. We're continually enjoying the song. How many of you, you're like me, you're still learning. You're maybe 10 years into Christianity and you're still learning. Absolutely. All right, so you will, uh, again, you'll be discouraged if you ignore these rhythms. You know? You'll be discouraged if you ignore these rhythms. The devil's role is to deceive, to destroy, and to accuse. That's what Scripture says. It's to deceive, to destroy, to accuse, and his first aim is to deceive you into thinking, please hear me, that God's rhythm, that his rules and his patterns are a constraint to your joy. Let me say that again. His first, his first strategy is to convince you that, that God is harsh and that he's not generous, right? What does he, what does he, tell, what does he tell Eve, you know? He has, she has all, they have all of these, every tree, says every tree and every plant. And he says, did God really say you couldn't eat that one? He wants to point out the rule. And what you find, though, the more you follow Christ, like King David, you'll end up saying, I delight in your decrees. I delight in the rules. I was counseling a family last week, and I was giving an illustration I've given many times before about the guardrails. How many of you guys are thankful that if you were to fall asleep at the wheel, there's guardrails on the road. I'd rather slide against a guardrail than go off and hit a tree. And God, God gives us guardrails. God gives us rules and patterns and, and things to follow. And in that, there is blessing. So that's kind of the 20,000-foot view. In the next three weeks, we're going to talk about what those, what those rhythms are. Uh, you know, communion, community, uh, all of these things. But I wanted to, we're going to put up this slide where I can draw for a minute because, again, Ryan's amazing. Don't know how he did that. But, um, oh, I lost the stylus. Where'd that stylus go? Jesse, did you take the stylus? Oh, yeah, I tried that. That didn't work. Thank you, though. You're an awesome Vanna White, though. You're awesome. Um, that didn't work either. It was purple. I'll have to use my finger. Oh, it was right here. Is it on the front row? Is there like a purple and black pen? Or does anybody have a stylus for an iPad that like, you know, it's got the little rubber tip? Nobody sees it? It's okay. It's okay. I can just draw. It just might not look as nice. Anybody have a stylus? It's okay if not. Yes? Yeah. Whoa, that was like a game show. She's like, yes. Come on down, Carol. The price is right. Oh, she stole your prize. Is it on the keyboard? Oh, that'll work. Thank you. Thanks, River. Give it, give it up for River. <coughs> All right. Do I touch the white part? Because I see a logo right now. Do I, do I touch the white screen? No? Yes. That's awesome. It's like magic. That's beautiful. All right. 
I was, I was telling Ryan when I brought in his dry erase board, and he laughed at me, um, that I wanted to, I want, yeah, you can put that white, yeah, thank you. I wanted to, like, illustrate something that I've seen in the church world for so many years. And so when we would, um, let's try that again, there we go. When we would go, ch- when we would go and minister uh, to lead worship or to preach, Every church was so drastically different, and it's beautiful to see that. There's this broad view. Yeah, uh, Ruth, you can keep it on the white screen if you don't mind. Is it changing on its own? Oh, let me see if I can keep it there. Let's see if I start drawing, if it'll stop. Okay, so here we go. Let's see if it'll stay. Sweet. All right, so I remember being many times with some of the other speakers and different people, and I would just tell them, I'd be at this Methodist event or a Baptist event, and I would say, I'm, I'm from the charismatic world. We're going to talk about that word charis, charismatic, uh, char, charis meaning gift. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But I would say I, I see myself as Bapticostal because I want Pentecostals to love the Bible as much as you guys do. He goes, oh, thank you, and he gave me a hug. I've had this happen a few times. And then I challenge him and I say, and I want you Baptists to worship like evangelicals do. He's like, yeah, we got to figure that out. And I just want to talk about for a minute the type of church that I see Rock of Grace to be, but I want us to make sure that we're becoming. Can we do that? I want to make sure that the way we see the church. And so maybe you grew up, and that's a terrible looking cross, so let's try that again. All right, let's try that. There we go. They're not even, but that's okay. All right. I should have practiced that. That's the side of the church, okay? It's beautiful. It's an entrance. It's a cathedral, really. The Sistine Chapel has nothing on this. All right. Some of you are like, I can do a stick man. All right. So this is where we're going to write words like liturgy. Okay. Eucharist, what we call the communion. Um, we're going to get more into this. We're going we're gonna to say expected. Over here in, in the charismatic world, and again, this, it's a beautiful thing, but just hear me out. Everybody just have your hands open for a minute and, and maybe just say this with me. Just say, I'm going to hear you out. Okay, so nobody, nobody, yeah, nobody's got any rocks today or, or stylist. <laughs> okay. In the charismatic world, we, we love, you know, the expression. Right? I don't actually draw like that. Okay, just so you know. It's a very fat stylus. Okay. Um, you know, we love the spontaneity. We love the spirit uh, moving. And I do too. You know that you've been here any number of years. But often when I am in charismatic, and this word means gift, so we'll come back to that in a minute. Sometimes you get, and again, hopefully I don't think it's here because we use a lot of scripture very intentionally, but I'm just talking about the church broadly. Everybody understand, if, I, if I'm, I'm talking very broad today, so nobody leave and be like, oh, he was talking about this. No, I'm not. I'm talking about the, the broad church, okay? 
in a lot of times here, there'll be like one scripture given. And a lot of stories, which are awesome. I love stories. I love bringing it, making it applicable. But it's all about our feelings, you know. You know, was, was God there today? Did he bring, did the pastor bring it? I don't know. I might have to go somewhere else where the pastor's bringing it. You know, like, it's all about how we feel. And often it's about what's, what that organization is doing. So it's like, hey, are we feeding the poor? And it's like, and the pastor might say, well, are you, are you feeding the poor? Because we can only organize so much. So are you feeding the poor? Well, hey, what, what's the church doing for the orphan and the, and the widow? And the pastor might say, well, yeah, we're, we're doing this, but what are you doing for the orphan or the widow that might live on your street? And a lot of times both of these fields make the same mistake where they want an organization, a 501c3, to do their discipleship. We're getting deep quick. Everybody just, everybody just one more time, open your hands. <laughs> right, you open, right? I, I don't know about you, but when I come to church, I want to be challenged. I hope, you, I hope you come to be challenged too. Well, over here, this is beautiful, right? And there's a lot of, there's a lot of amazing churches, by the way, who do these things really well. And you go in and you know what the liturgy is. You know you're going to do the Nicene Creed. Well, I want to encourage you as charismatic people. I mean, you go to Rock of Grace, so just so you know. You're, you're, you're in the Pentecostal charismatic group. Everybody's like, I'm crazy. My husband's crazy too. Okay, great. Love that about you. Um, what I want to make sure that you do is that you never look down upon because there's a lot of people doing this online. I mean, I got sent a video this week. I'll tell you about it in a minute. A lot of people in this world look down upon people who come in with reverence, and they mean the Nicene Creed when they say it. And they mean communion when they, and they do communion with their kids. And they are opening the Bible. I, I want to encourage you to be, um, I guess, respectful of the body of Christ at large. Can we all just nod in agreement to that? And again, I know this is, I'm like teaching you today. It's not going to feel like a sermon. So you're not going to shout me down. It's going to be very different. But I just want to talk to you as your pastor to make sure that we, we, we treat the body of Christ with the respect and the love that it deserves. Because there's people, and again, I just want to challenge us. There's people here that they know the, the Maverick City and the Bethel, and they love it, but they never read their Bible. So if the pastor tells them something, they don't even know if it's accurate or not. And by the way, you should be judging me. That's your role as the body. You should be thinking through what is your pastor preaching every week and processing and opening the word of God and doing the expected fundamentals of opening your Bible every day to know Jesus. Amen? Are you guys okay? Are we still okay? All right. Now, of course, over here the temptation is, and I got sent a video this week, and I've seen a lot of these videos. As a pastor, you get sent these things. 
Basically, the pastor, he just straight out said, and there's like a myriad of like, I would say 2,000 pastors in attendance, and they're all nodding along as this pastor says, whatever you do, don't sing Bethel music and don't sing Elevation music, and they're a cult, and you can't get into that stuff. And, and I'm like, have you ever talked to them? You know, like Christians make these judgments from 10,000 miles away. And that always grieves my heart. It breaks my heart for the body of Christ when I see that. Especially, and again, I'm not saying I know those people personally. I'm just saying what I have heard them preach is always the gospel. It's the power of Jesus. They're very passionate, you know, at Bethel and at Toronto and and. And at uh, Kilpatrick Church and the Elevation Church, they're very passionate in their belief that the unexpected spirit is going to show expression and miracles. They're very passionate about that. And here's the thing, with passion and with miracles and with life, there are messes. Life is messy. If your house is pristinely clean, unlike mine, no matter how hard I try, it's probably because you have no children. <laughs> Every empty nester was like, glory. I've been set free. Some of you got too excited when I said that. Literally every, every person over the age of 55 was like, can I get amen? <laughs> They're graduated and gone. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> you shouldn't have got that excited, some of you boomers. Shouldn't have been <laughs> so expressive. Um, but for real, I'm just going to give you a very simple, a simple metaphor where there's life, there's mess. Okay? Like, we change poopy diapers all the time. My house smells like poo. I have to turn on candles, I have to light candles just to get the poo smell out. And Tammy knows this. She watches our, our kids a lot. She walks in, oh, what's that smell? No, she doesn't do that. But why? There's life there. And I'm, I've talked to people here. I mean, I had a guy two years ago. This was right before COVID, so maybe 2019. I was in Pennsylvania. I'll never forget it. There's this group. Um, I don't remember. I, I, am, I am them or I am, uh, I am they, whatever. I was like, that's a confusing name. Let me change your name. No, I didn't say that to them. I was just thinking that. But the guy in the green room, like, not in a loving way, like literally starts a fight with me, the speaker. Like he must have went on my website or something and saw that I'm in this group. Oh, no. Everybody say, watch out. Apparently from my website or something, somehow he knew I was in this group. And he, I literally, this is like 10 minutes before he's going to go up to preach, and I'll never forget this. Because it really struck me, you know, and it's like, I don't know what's with you guys. You, you, you know, you think you're equal to the apostles and all the gifts follow you. And it's just real, just like, everybody just go like this. Like the face, like Lucas made when I gave him a lemon the other day. It's like, oh, right. It's like, oh. This, you can know a thousand scriptures over here and just really be a jerk that like Jesus isn't, isn't digging. <laughs> can I be real with you? Okay, again, this is different today. I don't have it all typed out like perfectly. I got some stuff typed out, but I just, I really want you to hear me. You can be over here. You can have all the scriptures memory. You can have a thousand reasons why you think the cessation of gifts and, you know, 
And you can go to 1 Corinthians 14.1 and say everything should be done decently in order, which actually to you means no life and no mess. And then yell at people over here because you can't explain something that you've seen. The problem is if you feel the need to be able to explain everything that happens with God, you've put yourself on the same level as God. The very idea of being a Christian is surrendering to the God who knows more than you. We all doing okay still? Okay. So again, now we're going to come back to you guys, all right? So everybody pull your toes in. Because now we're back over here. Oh, man, this is a giant mess. Let's start over. Okay. Let's start over. Okay. Oh, got to get 3D. Come on now. Ooh, that's nice. I like that box. Okay. Let's, let's do a little pop quiz. Who remembers what charismatic, the re, root word, it's the same root word you get for charity, right? It means gift. What we value at Rock of Grace is the gift of the Spirit. And I was thinking about this, and I'm like, everything's a gift. You think about this. When you read Genesis, and I've read it many times, do you know what it says? God gave the garden to uh, Adam to tend. And then it says, God gave woman to man. And God gave children to woman. And God gave. God is always giving. Everything about him is generosity. It's giving. That's why the people who uh, are, are some of like the, night, the, the most Christ-like people we ever meet, they, they're just giving. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? That same word charis or charismatic or gift is where we where you have Paul talking about the spiritual gifts which I love one version one way he says it is the grace gifts and I love that. that's why you've heard me say it like that a lot is because the gifts illustrate the grace of God they illustrate the grace of God because you, you know and I know we don't deserve it we don't deserve it so just curious how many of you stand up if on Mondays you're in the, the prophetic class so we're talking about the prophetic gift can you just stand up I'm not going to point you out I'm not going to embarrass you I just want you to stand there's like 20 of you so I know there you are there you are awesome all right can you put your hands together for these guys uh, you may be seated how many of you that just stood up I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if now you don't have to come up and tell a story right now but if God has been testing you in the trust of his very alive, spontaneous voice. Raise your hand if you've been tested in that. Come on, Dr. Harna, absolutely. Carrie, right? Anybody over here? Right. How many of you are learning things about God you didn't even, it's like brand new. I love this. Dr. Harna and Shane were in that class, and I love, he, he mentioned this last Monday. He said, I've been following Christ for 300 years. No, I'm kidding. I'm going to say that. <laughs> I threw in that part. I embellished. <laughs> no, he said, I've been, <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's going to kill me for that. Next time I'm at the dentist, he's going to be like, I'll give you 300 years. <laughs> yeah, it's Novocaine. It's water, right? No. <laughs> just, I play things out in my head. I'm sorry. All right, so he's like, I've been following Jesus for, you know, 30, 40 years, however many years he said, and I am learning things about God that I never knew. 
That puts such a smile on my face because that's where we need to be, church, right here. In this area of childlike, I want to I learn more about the gifts God has given me. Amen? But be careful how you treat people over here who have not yet experienced what you've experienced. Be very careful to treat them with love and honor and dignity. The dignity and the love and the care that you would want. Right? Matthew 6, 12. Do unto other people as you'd want them to do to you. Treat them the way you want to be treated. And let me just ask very frankly, how many of you in this church right now in Rock of Grace and Kinsmen, and I, I hope there's a lot of hands here because it's, it's scary and kind of a good thing, but how many of you raise your hands if you've been challenged, you've been tested about the unexpected spontaneity of the Spirit of God? I know I have. Standing right here behind the pulpit or right here behind the keyboard, I've had God say, hey, I want you to sing this song. And I'm like, I don't know that song. You know, I've had God say, I want you to sing this hymn. And I'm like, oh, that's too high. I can't do it. And God's like, just sing it. They'll sing it, right? And so there's this spontaneous, and then suddenly the Spirit of God enters the house like, like in this powerful new way. Why? Because the Spirit's like a wind. It's blowing. You don't know where it's going. Now, one thing I want you to hear me out today is this. <clears throat> Not just to treat each other at different denominations well, because by the way, denominations were never, I don't think ever in the mind of God. So we'll talk about that more a different day. But when we look at the book of Acts, you've got this like, they're, they're in community, they're in genuine worship. And what I want to see is that, I wonder if I can switch colors. I'm going to try switch colors. Ooh, oh man, it's getting crazy. I, I picked red. It's getting wild up in here. Buckle up. All right. These are like pillars of the word of God. The word of God is what's going to keep this whole thing straight. And just picture, these are now stained glass windows. I know, right? Just blew your mind. What? I was literally up all night thinking, how can I draw this? Okay. <laughs> now, let's think about the people who walk in. Okay. It's magic, Stephanie. Okay. I needed room at the bottom. Okay, so now we got people. They're coming in. See all these people? In fact, how many of you are new to Rock of Grace in the last two months? Can you just raise your hand? I won't embarrass you. I won't call you forward. Yeah, awesome. Hey, by the way, can we all welcome them? Everybody say welcome. <laughs> people coming in are coming from all kinds of backgrounds. So this person might be coming over here that you just met. They may come from a Lutheran background. They may come from a Roman Catholic background. They may, may need you to take a minute and put the seatbelt on and explain to them what you're experiencing and what they're experiencing. Right? So, and that can't only be done by the pastor or life group leaders. That's done a lot. Obviously, there's a lot of life group leaders, and we want to equip the saints for the work of ministry. But I want to call upon you to do that. One of my, my favorite part, my favorite part of my dad's story, my parents' story, is that this guy who is not the pastor, he's not the pastor. 
he's sitting in a congregation as a church member. He saw my parents get saved that night. And he said, hey, do you want to come over every week, all right? Just come over after church. We'll, we'll fix dinner, and, and we'll just talk about the sermon that day. How beautiful is that, that that, that lay, lay leader, lay person, whatever you want to call him, said, I'm going to make a disciple. Because we don't make disciples because we're a pastor or a life We make disciples because we're a Christian, Right? That's a perfect spot for an amen. It was amen. And these people who are coming in need that friendship and that community. And I want to talk to you now real quick about your need for community. Because what I've noticed when I'm discipling someone, I'm meeting someone on a regular basis and reading the word of God together or reading Christian living book together. And we're talking about who Jesus is. I'm learning things about myself, and I'm learning things about God in their process of discovery. Right? It's beautiful, and it's, it's, it's what makes life so meaningful. I want God to pour out his spirit in a powerful way in our church. I really do. But I want to tell you a story. And I won't, I won't say the church just for the sake of just being kind or normal or whatever. Uh, you know, th there was a church, right, who had this amazing outpouring of God's spirit. A lot of people healed, saved, delivered from drugs, very expressive in their worship, what we would call charismatic. They experienced, however you spell that, I ran out of room. They experienced revival. Now, I want you to hear me for a minute. What happened was when they got a new pastor, now with a new pastor, there's always a change. You know, people say this 25% of people will, will not connect with you as a new pastor, and that's, that's stuff that my dad and I read through in, in our transition time. And so that's like a fact, right? But I remember hearing the, uh, somebody who was on the core team, and I asked, or some, somebody in our group asked, what was going on with this mass exodus? Because it was like 35% of the people weren't there. And I'll never forget, this leader, this friend of mine said, well, it's amazing. Our church loves revival, but they don't like people. And I'll never forget that. Because, see, the new pastor was talking about the importance of community and how we need each other. And he was instituting life groups. And he's preaching it every week. It's like an announcement or it's weaved into his sermon. The importance of community that I need you and you need me and, and we're going to help one another. My spiritual gifts complement you and your spiritual gifts complement me and, and this community. And he, he had numerous, not one, numerous people and board members and core leaders saying, Pastor, quit talking about community and life groups. We just need revival. We just need a move of God. Now, what I'm saying is there's something very wrong with that. You have to have both. Everybody say both. You have to have the spirit and the word. You have to have communion. I can't write on this thing. That was terrible. We're just going to pretend that's not there. 
can community. I mean, like, communism? No, communion and community. And I want to tell you, though, in community, let's circle back for a minute, it's going to get messy. You will have people in your life group say dumb things. And everybody who's in a life group is laughing right now because you've all, we all have that guy, don't we? No, I'm just kidding. Right? No, I'm just kidding. But it's true. In the mess, there's going to be people that says something inappropriate. In that moment, you don't belittle them. You give them patience. They just got saved. You don't act like, well, you need to understand the stake. No, they just got saved. They're growing up as a baby Christian, a toddler Christian, and they need your care to help equip them. And I see this, I see this in when we have such little patience for new believers or people who aren't used to what we're used to. I just, I don't know about you, but I want God to put his heart so rich in me that it's this father heart that I love seeing. And I hope you love seeing people on their journey with Christ. Even if they're making a bunch of blunders. If they're with you and they're coming to church with you and they're coming to your house for a life group, that's a huge, awesome step. Amen. You know what I'm saying? That's a huge, awesome step. They're wanting to know about God and they're wanting to grow in their faith. And what connects, what keeps this strong is the word of God. It's like the pillars. If I can go back. Because here's what I've also noticed. I've been to these churches over here in a funeral or a special service where the priest is literally speaking in a different language. And no one understands. And that's maddening, right? I don't know if you've ever experienced that. And that's maddening, right? Because you're like, I don't even know what. So the minister is ministering, and the root word minister means to serve. Oh, how can people be served if they can't understand the words that are, are being said, right? And so we all have to just learn from each other, learn from other denominations, and be patient with each other, and go back to the word of God. Picture big beams at the center of this house, big beams that are connecting you to the body of Christ. That's the word of God. And you're continually growing. And I want to clo- close with, with this. And I'm not going to get to the tabernacle. I ran out of time. I knew that was going to take too long. I was hoping that would be like 20 minutes, and then I would get to my script. But media team, I will not get to my script about the tabernacle. So we'll save that for next week. Here's what I, I want to close with this. We, we have things we're still trying to get right. We don't have the corner on everything. And a lot of churches make that mistake, right? So they, they believe we have, well, we have the corner on that, you know. And what can accidentally happen is a spiritual pride can enter that church. Are you hearing me? I hope you're hearing me. A spiritual pride can enter where you look down upon people who don't see it the way you do. Everybody just put your hand on your heart. I don't know about you, but I, wanna, I want us to guard our hearts for the way not only you see other people, but other Christians. You know what I'm saying? That you really treat people the way Jesus would treat them. I want you to stand up to your feet. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up because I want to close with worship today. And it's on purpose because I want 
I want to remind you of what we're all about. We're, we're about being a house of worship that is open to all of those green dots. <laughs> you know, that's open. It's really good. I appreciate it. It's like a Picasso, right? I know it's amazing. I know. Totally missed my calling, Tim. I shouldn't, shouldn't you know, artistry. No. Um, I believe God's going to pour out his spirit here in an unbelievable way. In 1906, William Seymour, this, this pastor at Azusa Street, had this experience with God where God's presence so filled the room, everybody was just overwhelmed by the presence of God. This was the birth of the Assemblies of God. We are an Assemblies of God church. That was the beginning, right? Now, I got a couple cool facts for you. Out of that, and I don't have time to go through the others, but just fast forward, fast forward to the Jesus people in the 60s. How many of you guys ever heard of the Jesus people, the Jesus, Jesus people movement, right? A lot of people were impacted by the Phil Keggies and, and all, all the, the, the music artists that came out of that. Um, but John Wimber was saved. Anybody know John Wimber? A couple of you. Oh, a couple of you revivalists. That's cool. John Wimber then experiences God like he's never experienced him before. And he goes back to his church in Toronto, and they have what's called the Toronto Blessing. And in Toronto, God's spirit was moving in a powerful way. Now, I want to, again, oh, it was my, oh, yes, the beautiful artistry is still up there. Guys, I still hear people, please hear me. Please take this with all the humility I still hear people, including pastors, mock the Toronto blessing because they can't understand it. And they'll say, people can't be lying on the ground for hours. People can't be laughing uncontrollably, filled with joy. Tell that to Balaam's donkey. You know what I'm saying? Like, Jesus walked through walls Jesus told his disciples after he raised Lazarus from the dead, after he raised a widow's son, after he did a lot of mind-blowing things, he said, you're going to do greater things. And a lot of pastors, a lot of people and Christians, we have to just be careful, when, when you jump onto something and say, yeah, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, we are the only people who know what's right. Guard your heart. Because out of the Toronto blessing came a man you've maybe heard of, John Kilpatrick. Yeah. Maybe somebody else you've heard of, Bill Johnson. They went to Toronto and got absolutely blasted by the Holy Spirit and found a connection and a deep intimacy with God than they've never had before. How many of you are familiar with, with uh, Sean Bolts? Anybody? A couple of you? Very powerful prophetic voice in our nation. He was eight years old in a life group John Wimber was leading. And now he's touched millions with the gospel. Bill Johnson, John Kilpatrick, banning Leapshire of Jesus culture, Sean Bowles, a myriad of people connected back to one outpouring at a man named John Wimber's church. 
millions. Guys, I, I saw firsthand the Brownsville Revival. Started in 1995. I wasn't there in 95. came in 2001 or 2002. And I saw that place, 6,000 people crammed in there. They would have an altar call, and 2,000 people would come to the altar. I saw moments where, the, where Steve Hill and Kilpatrick would just pray like this, and an entire section would fall down under the weight of God's glory. Now, in, right now, when I say that, you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity. Everybody just look at the screen for a minute. You have an opportunity. You could say, I don't think God would ever do that. When Jesus rose from the dead, 20 or 30 guards fell over. So he, he does that. <laughs> right? Now, I don't know why we call it slain in the spirit. It's a bit violent. I don't know. Let's <laughs> say, like, you were slain, you know? So I like to use the word overwhelmed. Again, because of, it's, it's really good talking with people who are not from your background. Like, who was slain? Who slayed who? Somebody died in your church, you know? So we have to be careful, right, the words we use. But the idea is this. When you hear a revival story, what is your reaction? Do you think, oh, God would never do that? Would he? Because maybe he would. Now, why would he do that? Maybe people... Certain people who fell over, maybe the entire section that fell over, and I witnessed that, maybe they had an encounter with the love of God that changed them forever. I remember I was in Brownsville. We might not get to the song because I'm rambling. I'm going to try to wrap it up. I'm sorry. Well, remember, so let me tell you one story. Can I just tell you one more story real quick? It's 10.52. We're okay. All right. I remember, I remember standing there and saying, God, Reveal yourself to me because I'd, I'd watch my friends be overwhelmed with God's presence. And I had felt God's love before. How many, like, it feels like goosebumps all over you. It feel like, whoa, like God is in the room or somebody prophesies to you. You feel God talking to you. But I knew I wanted this encounter with God. So I'm asking God for this, not for weeks, but for months. And then I'm starting to feel like there's something wrong with me. Has anybody ever done that game? Like, oh, well, clearly I'm not spiritual enough. I don't know where, that's a terrible thing that Satan puts in your head. It has nothing to do with you. But anyway, I, was, I kept asking God, God, give me, give me a, a, an encounter with you. And I'll never forget being hit with the presence of God and the power of God and the inexpressible, the spontaneous, the expression of deep wailing and I'm crying and I'm bawling my eyes out and in my mind's eye, I can see this lion's eye. That's all I saw was this lion's eye. I know it's weird. I know. I'm sorry. This is what I experienced. But the fear of God came upon me that day that changed me forever. Forever. I was forever changed in that moment. You know what my only prerequisite was? Asking was asking God to do something unexpected in my life, to give me an encounter with him or a revelation of him that I hadn't had before. And even if I couldn't explain it, even if I don't have all the th theology to describe it, I don't know about you, but I want a Luke 24 experience where I'm communing with Jesus. We're breaking bread together, by the way, communion, liturgy, and yet my heart is burning because Jesus, the Son of God, is in front of me. How many want that?
where Luke 24, where it says, did not our hearts burn within us as he spoke? Did not our hearts burn within us as he spoke about the scriptures? And that's what I want for this church. I want our hearts to burn as you read scripture in a life group, as you read scripture at your dining room table with your spouse or by yourself, wherever you're reading, if you open your Bible app and God right there in your car, right there at the break room at work, the spirit of God can come in and make your heart come alive and burn. And suddenly you can have this expressive, and it's not about the expression. Please hear me. It's not about the expression. It's not about the prophecy of the tongues. And again, when I say tongues, I've used this before. It's like water gets so hot in the teapot, it whistles. It doesn't know what else to do. <laughs> That's the way I like to express the tongues. But I don't know what's going to happen to you. You might lay down. Some of you, you might bow down and you would never bow down in front of other people. Some of you might raise your hands today. Some of you might, like last week, you prayed for the baptism of the Spirit and some of you filled with the Spirit, experiencing God like you've never experienced Him before. I don't know about you, but I want whatever God wants for you. Does that make sense? I want whatever God wants for you and for every person, all the green dots, every person who comes in here to experience God in their journey in God's perfect timing because God is so patient with them, right? And we can be patient with them and we can be patient with ourselves. If you don't experience God like somebody, somebody else, don't, don't beat yourself up. Don't say there's something wrong with me, but be open and just worship God. Just worship God. Just let God fill you.